Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky, and this week I am joined with Zach Katie. Scotchy Scotch Scotch. Brett Freeman. Hi everyone. And Jonathan Lee. Hello everyone. Okay guys, so we're back uh, after a short little break. We got a little bit of news to talk about. Squadrons dropped, and then we're going to give some hot takes on how we think the organized play world is at the moment. So... I've been playing squadrons, Brett. Have you been playing squadrons? I've been playing so much squadrons. Jonathan, you're, you've jumped into squadrons. I've been playing a little bit. Uh, story mode, mostly. And, and Zach's still playing. I technically own it. Technically own it. He's been playing TIE Fighter versus X-Wing. Or... Sure. He, he, he's, been, he's been the hipster. Um, cool. So... I mean, we're not going to spend too long on this topic uh, just because, but I mean, it's something that we can't avoid. Like, it's basically X-Wing, the video game. I'm enjoying it a lot, even though we're so not that great at it. Um, But like I said, it really kind of like puts the feel into the the game from like X-Wing into like this virtual world. And I'm enjoying it. Like I said, just it feels, I mean, granted, TIE Fighters don't have missile pods, but they can shoot missiles. But, like, being able to do those K-turns and everything like that, um, I know uh, it's it really feels like I'm, I'm playing... I'm imagining a game of X-Wing. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and the one thing I learned is that I actually don't want objectives ever in X-Wing because, holy crap, I have no idea how to play any type of objective format. <laughs> I can only do dogfights and nothing else or else I suck. So it's a loser. It's funny because, like, that got brought up really early was that, like, there was an exploit that popped up in squadrons where the in the fleet battles that if you don't leave basically your spawn, you, you basically can win the game and just bunker down there, which you're fortressing in squadrons. You're probably fortressing in X-Wing. Uh, maybe, like, maybe that's what they want us to do is fortress and only, like, come out when the engagement is optimal. But that's not fun, right, guys? It is not. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I mean, win at all costs, right? I mean, who cares what your opponent thinks? Um, but yeah, so like I said, I, overall, I, I'm enjoying it. Like, I think it's a huge game. If you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend you do it. It's a, a ton of fun. If you are in our Facebook group, we have literally uh, every single night people are hopping on and playing uh so you can easily find a uh, a squadron uh the discord information is listed in our facebook group so check it out if you want to join us there or any other kind of you know we, we have x-wing talk we have legion talk anything with the philadelphia area that's kind of where we organize stuff now so definitely check out the uh liberty squadron discord okay so uh we had a article drop on the act what is this the ada the jedi thing brett what is this <laughs> The ETA, I don't know. The ETA to Actus. Another Jedi ship. But we are getting we are getting Yoda as a pilot, and I'm excited for that. And it comes with a hyperspace ring. And I just want to talk about this, right? So I really like Jedi. I own seven or eight of the Aether Sprites. I have them all painted up, uh, like in my own color scheme. Um I am now seriously contemplating, do I need to buy, like, seven of these things just so I can paint matching rings now? Like, coming out with this ring and making it compatible with all the other ships uh, or a number of the other ships 
brilliant move by FFG, I have to say. So why don't we talk about that? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's really cool that we're, they're doing that. Um, but why don't we t- make that our first topic then? Uh, so the hyperspace ring is basically you, when you have it equipped, you can set up, you can be placed anywhere in the play area beyond range one of obstacles, beyond range three of enemy ships, and beyond range three of the enemy table edge. So that's kind of restrictive, isn't it? Like, I feel like there's not going to be a lot of places that you can set up. I mean, it still gives you well over half the board mm. to set up in. Right. I, I mean, but, like, I, I think between the range one of any obstacles, and it's because it's range three of the uh, board edge, a- any board edge, like, a lot of these times you could, like, set up on the side or anything, but it's any board edge. So, I, I think... I thought it was... I think it's just enemy board enemy edge. table edge. Enemy oh, enemy table edge. Okay, never mind. I take that back. You can absolutely. Um, I don't know how to read, but okay. So that that is definitely a lot we more. We still love you though. That's okay. It's, uh, I, my brain's been fried. Um, <laughs> so okay, that never mind. I take that back. That is still pretty fast, and uh, you can obviously probably five straight with these. We have the dial right here. Um, yep. Well, you can absolutely. five straight with them, and if you're still in the thing, right? Like you just like pivot around, it basically almost in place because everything goes down to like a one speed, right? Together. So like you can kind of either like zoom the fuck out if you decide to detach, or just play the waiting game and then zoom the fuck out. So wait, do we have? Did we spoil the viewing yet? No, the um, V-Wing spoiler article isn't out yet, but they okay. talked about it. Okay, right, right, right. That's what I thought. It exists. Uh, the hyperspace ring, I, I agree it's really cool, but isn't it uh, epic only? Or I didn't yes. Think it was, yeah, okay. It's hyperspace. But you extended. can still attach it to your ship if ship you want it. to to make it look cool, and then it's totally worth spending you know, enough money for seven or eight of them. Right. So, okay. Brett, in, in the movies and in Clone Wars, do the rings match the ships? I actually don't know. I have absolutely no idea. But in the picture on the card, it looks like it matches it the ship. It does. Both of these cards, they, the ring matches the ship. <laughs> oh, and actually, I, I do know that there's a Lego Obi-Wan thing where the ring matches the ship. So I'm going to cautiously say yes. Man, even thematically, like I don't know if I'd want to like hyperspace jump into like range three of a Gonzadi or a, you know, a, a Corvette or something. <laughs> Like the, I, I don't know, because you still have to undock from this thing, don't you? Like I don't think you ever really want to like just sit in it. Yeah, no, I agree. Right? I know well, we don't have to spend too much time because, of, uh, like I said, it's it is epic and no one cares. Epic and no one cares. Um, but I just think it's a brilliant product sure. move by them. The fact that they made it like you know backwards compatible, I guess you could say. Sure. Sure. Like their, um, their minis are just so beautiful. Like uh, I just unpacked all the the new wave. Just my, just again on a tangent. I'm sorry, but I have to say the minis are just getting so high quality. Like I'm really impressed by them. Right. Yeah, and like I'm assuming that it can snap onto the viewing as well. If it can snap onto the. Uh... Yeah, it can go on the viewing, the aether sprite, and this. They said. That's pretty neat. Okay, so. All right, no more hyperspace ring. So why don't we jump into the pilots then, Brett? Why don't you take some of these because uh, you would know their best outfit. Well, I don't know about that, but uh, let's go first, I guess, with Yoda because I think everyone is really excited to see a Yoda pilot 
finally. Um, and he is going to be a pretty epic support ship, I think. Uh, he's an Initiative 3. Uh, the whole ship chassis itself, just since we didn't really uh, mention it, is a 2-attack primary, 3-attack bullseye, uh, 3 agility ship, 3 hull, no shields, and then obviously, uh, you know, whatever force charges come on the ship. And it has a focus, an evade, a purple uh, target lock, a barrel roll, and a boost. And it lets you do a system reposition, uh, or system phase reposition, if you spend a force charge. So these things are going to be moving around in really cool ways, similar probably only to decloaking ships. Um, so just on an initial, like, uh, thing, it, it's going to be fun seeing these on the table swerving all over the place. That's one of the things I think make that makes Jedi so fun is like doing the one hards and getting in really tight angles. And these are going to be able to do that, uh, probably even more so. Um, but so back to Yoda, he, uh, after another friendly ship at range zero to three spends one or more force charges, you may spend a force. And if you do that ship recovers one force. So he essentially can just be like your force battery. Um, you know, for anyone who played in first edition, you want it if you were flying a tiny mind link, you wanted to have a a focus battery who could make sure all of your ships always had their focus tokens. Yoda's gonna kinda be like that with uh with force. Uh, you know, your Anakin has to spend too many force defending or, or attacking. Well, he's still gonna have something to protect himself later on in the round. Um, so it's gonna be a really cool way of spreading out all the, the forces. And no longer having as much of a disincentive to take those purple actions because, uh, hey, if you're an Aether Sprite, take that purple evade. Yoda will give you your force back. So it, it's you know almost like a, a white evade. You kind of can just fly him on the outside of the battle, which should not be too hard to do with that that uh, system phase reposition, and just just keep everyone uh, nice and healthy in force. Yeah, so I, I definitely see exactly that um you're probably even just bringing this guy naked like uh, yeah, well, no, almost naked almost uh naked. there's there's another card we'll, we'll get to later sure. that i think is gonna be great on him but yeah right he does not need really anything right so I, i'm looking at this intuitive controls uh and so we have what the purple actions are you know in this and um like i said i'll probably get into this a little bit uh, closer when we do the upgrades to it but like it almost opens up the opportunity that if you do a purple action like you only have one force charge and you have a purple action or do the purple action you can then dial in the purple maneuver and just do the two white straight like if you're going up against like a mirror or something like that um I don't know if that would ever come up or if it would even be that helpful but it's an option that's out there that I for some reason it, I'm thinking of. <laughs> so it's one of those nice things to think about, kind of like when you're flying uh, like Braylon in a B-Wing and you're like, oh no, like I'm going to have to do a blue maneuver here. And then you're like, ah, oh, I'll just do a, a red maneuver and end up doing a, a, a white two straight. Like it's a right. nice thing to keep in mind and it might come up every like, you know, 10 or so games. And that time you're going to feel like a genius. Right, right. Like I'm just thinking like you're in, in like a mirror or you're in a... Mm. Um, a match where you're not sure if you're the person is going to be doing like a one turn to try to like boost out of there or like maybe do like a five straight and you dial in the K or the uh, talent roll. So you dial in that talent roll, but you know now that uh you can wait to see. Oh, well, I guess it's system phase. So yeah. it's, it's very, it'll still be very like, yeah, the mirror, it definitely right. works for phantoms. It works for, and, um, uh, 
any type of bomb right. dropping, it potentially could work. For right, you. right, right. So, but I, I guess it still gives you that option. Options are always good. Right. Okay, so yeah, I'm, I'm game for Yoda. Yoda, I like I said, uh, I don't want to see him because he's probably going to be that trap card that you just like. You want to kill him, but it's going to be hard, and everything's going to be blowing you up as you. Oh yeah, and just have—I mean, this ship here with the the white evade and then the force charges on everyone. I mean, this is this is essentially a very easy token stack to get. So, to the extent you're able to get arc on these things, they're going to be extremely hard to mm-hmm. to shoot down. Right. And I mean, their dial's decent too. So, I mean, do these things have an astromatic slot? Yeah. Um, you can see. You think so because there is a. Yeah, you can see it right here on the. Uh... And in the movie, I remember he had those little buzz droids on him, and he was like, get them off, R2. Oh, I just thought you meant, like, is it, like, on the the spreadsheet or whatever? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm just looking but, at but the... There, there is a astromech in the pack, so we Right, and I believe we have the R2-D2 astromech in here, too. Correct. So, I mean, yeah, like, right. if you really want, you could put R4 in here and make it even just two turns and one blues might be awesome on these things in general. Yeah. All right, so let's go on to Ayla. Um, uh, all right, you yeah. want to talk about Ayla? Uh, yeah, let's talk about Ayla. Well, do you want to or me? I'm sorry. You can talk about it. Okay, uh, so, well, an enemy ship in your front arc at range 0 to 1 performs an attack, the defender may change one blank result to a focus result. Um, blank green dice have always been the, the one weak point of Jedi. Um, I've said a, a ton of times I would pay so many points just to get heroic on a Jedi because that's that's basically how you lose the game. Um, so she is, again, a, a nice little support uh, piece, potentially, where uh, if she is able to start uh, flanking a ship, or even if she's just getting attacked at range one herself, um, it's going to really help with the, the defense. If you have her ability triggering, have that white evade, and have force available, I mean, you're already guaranteed two evades right there. She's going to be pretty tanky. Um, and there is no charge or anything on this. Um, so, I mean, she could potentially be giving multiple focus results out. Um, granted, you do have the limitation on the number of force or the number of focuses you have, but you pair this with, with, uh, a Yoda pilot, I mean, you could potentially just be getting a lot of, of free essential evades, um, throughout the entire match. So, uh, f- I think she's going to be one of those knife fighters doing the, the system phase reposition one hards. Um, getting into the the perfect spots just to be buffing all of her her uh, her friends. I right, guess. it's almost like light Concordia. Yeah, it it really is. I mean, right, it's not quite as I as mean, good because it has to be in her front arc. Um, but right, yeah, but it's at i five. I mean, you if they're trying to shoot Yoda, at, like so, because she's the only one that needs to be arranged. So if they like want. Like even if she's flanking on the side uh, and they're shooting, then uh, you still get those um, results on like something that like might be range two or three, right? Yeah, and also the I five is just pretty huge. Right. Um, I and I don't think I mentioned that um, that she was I five. So thank you for for saying that, right? But so now you can run probably her, Plo, and Obi Wan all I five Jedi uh, pilots. Um, either you know in this ship or mixing in. Well, Plo would not be on this ship, but uh, so an Aether Sprite and and you know, is it an ETA? I don't I don't know how to like the the Actus I guess. Um, and that seems like a pretty terrifying list to to face off against. 
Right. All right. Uh, when are we going to head into Shakti? Is that his name? It is. Shakti! All right. So at the start of the end phase, you may spend any number of force charges to choose that many friendly ships at range 0 to 2. Each chosen ship does not remove one focus or evade token during this end phase. Um, do you think that kind of like, maybe if you're like, does that like, does that matter? Like, do you think, I mean, like granted, like, I think it's always strong to be able to keep them, but I think like with old Obi-Wan, do you think it really might matter that much? I mean, I think it's going to be really nice for that initial joust, Mm. right? Like, so let's say you have, have shock T and Yoda in a list and i know i keep saying yoda right but that first engagement you can have all of your ships at full force and have two evade tokens um out there just for that first initial engage um and then you can take another evade action the next turn because you're just carrying over the evade token right so you could go in with two ships that have multiple evade tokens all of their force uh, a focus token that they or they they were possibly able to get from another one of these ships here that we haven't gotten to yet. Like these ships are going to have mods for days. Um, so this one not as good as the other. I was just in my opinion, it's more situational. Right. But it's it's not a totally garbage ability, and I four still has uh, you know significant value. Right. So, I mean, like okay, so. Comparing him to the Jedi General, which we'll get into next, um, I would think that he would have to be almost on par with him. That like the points, maybe like a point more. Yeah, right. So they're they're both I four. I was thinking two points, but I think we're both in the same ballpark. Right. The ability, it's not blank. It's got some value, but it's probably pretty minimal. Right. Question, uh, Brett. Question. So yeah. Shakti, her ability, it's at the start of the end phase. When do you, do you regen? When in the end phase do you regen the Force? Uh, so I believe you do that right at the end. Okay. So she, I, I think every turn, if she has um, two force, she's able to essentially let this happen for free. So, I mean, it, it is not bad. Right? It's just, it's not game-breaking, probably. Right. Yeah, like, I, I get that initial joust, but um, I don't, I don't know. Good. It's sort of like a first edition, uh, first edition advanced optics, optics. was yeah. like the one that you carry the evade. Uh, optics, advanced optics, focus, focus but... oh, focus. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what the other one was. The one that Omega Leader always used to take. Mm-hmm. I forget what it is. Um, right. Um, so you know, you know, this would actually be really nice uh, to pair with, and a CLT Aether Sprite also because. They really love having the the focus and being able to take a target lock that turn. Um, so you know if she's able to to give someone a focus to keep, they now, can get really nice and aggressive, take that lock, and really light someone up. Are there any good ordnance carriers out there that like might want to? I mean, I don't think this. I mean, you got Y wings, but even still, I don't know if you'd really consider them good ordnance takers to really try to get that focus lock on the joust. Like maybe like the first turn they're focusing and then the next turn they're kind of getting in to get those locks. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if you um, pair up with the, the other Adas, but like maybe like something else like, uh, and one starfighters with, um, 
passive with sensors. Passive, passive sensors. Okay. So yeah, so they'll, they'll have a focus and evade, and then get their target lock. I mean that that could that could work in a, right. a alpha strike meta. People like the alpha strike. Okay, so yeah, I, like I said, I, I think she needs to be maybe just a point or two more than the Jedi General. And now, so the Jedi General is just an I-4 generic with two force. And I think this, if there's anything that we've learned about I-4 generics, is that they are brutal. And now that we have one that has force, I think this could be, um, hopefully FFG has learned from their mistakes before (laughs) this drops. So, I mean, we learned from the the phantoms we've learned from the nantex so if these are anything more than 40 or anything 40 or less i think there's a problem i completely agree right i mean the stat line here is pretty similar to the the nantex uh if they're just you know having their arc locked forward right. so yeah if you can fit too many of these it's gonna really be right and then uh, you got the force charge premium, but even still, like I think if it's forty points, there's something wrong. Even still, I, I yeah, mean, that, I think that's the biggest thing to look at when we see these points: is is this forty, or is it at least forty-one? Because if it's at least forty-one, we're fine. <laughs> right. So the I four Fang Fighter is forty-seven points. I could see it being maybe on par with that. Um, that seems a little high, just because that is always a three die. Sure. And Concordia right. is, is pretty great, but yeah, it's probably. Yeah, I was thinking more like forty-five, but those force charges are so. Uh, force charges are good. You're right. So and and two of them, two, of, two them. of them. Yeah, two on a generic is right. pretty crazy. Exactly. I think this is the first time we had <laughs> two for uh, force charges on generics. I know. I, I see it as around the phantom level. You think that high? So what's that? What's a generic? A generic I four fan is forty eight points. Yeah, yeah. You think that's good? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, I would even maybe go fifty. I I would maybe go fifty. Fifty. Yeah, I mean, I think as as here's my my opinion. As the Republic gets more stuff. They can be more aggressive with how they cost force. Like force kind of had to be cheap in Jedi when they just didn't have op or in Republic when they didn't have options, right? So the more options they have, the more you can aggressively price force back to probably where it should have been all along, but you just couldn't because then no one would play Republic if everything costed insane amounts of points. And and that is definitely a possibility, right? Is that they could just completely recalibrate the scale because there is a new option. But if they don't, it has to, I think, be significantly cheaper just than what we are are talking about based on CLT Jedi, which are a very interesting comparison here because CLT Jedi, also a two-die primary, also a essentially a three-attack bullseye, except their bullseye gives you a guaranteed focus result, which is obviously significantly more valuable than just rolling uh, that third die. So um, when we when we just sort of do some comparisons there, um, like Mace Windu, a three force I four with a, a you know decent ability with CLT is forty nine points. Right. So the problem is unless they do that recalibration, like you just said, Zach, it's tough to see how they can can uh, 
really get enough of a point spread for all of these pilots because there is a, a good amount of pilots here um, and have some differentiation between them points wise while not exceeding that CLT threshold. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. And I think that like leads into what I was saying of quite mm-hmm. honestly, if they don't recalibrate everything when this comes out, I'm going to be real fucking disappointed in FFG. <laughs> There's your first F-bomb brought to you by Victory <laughs> Brewing Company, because that's what I'm drinking tonight. Um, no, so yeah, I'm looking at the same thing that you are, Brett. Like, so, Obi, or not Obi, I'm sorry, uh, Mace is 49 points, Plo Koon is 49 points with CLT. Uh, so, you know, maybe it, if they don't recalibrate it, it does float around that 45 to, you know... 50 49 point range but i think at the same time if uh that doesn't happen and they all say the same it's almost like what's the point of bringing these if you can't spam them so uh i mean just going off of pure speculation i I think that might be the general area that they fall in is maybe like the low to mid 40s and just as another quick barris in the the aether sprite with clt and her ability is basically blank blank um hers uh she is 41 points with only one force and an i4 right so with two force now i think the 43 44 point is probably uh safe and it could be higher like you guys are saying especially here with white evade white evade is a big big difference sure okay so guess what we're getting another another oddball another anakin oh just what we need is (laughs) Who who wins more? I think Anakin's got one more than Oddball, or two more? I think one more, uh, right? So at this point, Anakin's going to be at four, Um, if you count baby Anakin. and How Oddball, many Sabines? I think Oddball's going to be at three. There's three Sabines. Yeah, remember when Sabine was, was the one that was everywhere? She's, like, wholesome now. Just three <laughs> ships. <laughs> just, just three ships, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. Sabine is the great gateway drug. So I, I do okay. I, I don't really care that they're reprinting a bunch of Anakin's because they all have different pilot abilities. Does the White Wing have a different pilot ability? He does not. No, no I didn't thing. think so. Um, but Baby Anakin has a different pilot ability. He does. Uh, so I, I mean, I don't mind that. Like I, I think that's a very make, cool mechanic that they can uh, spread out through the entire game because we have Obi Wan here who also has a different mechanic than uh, the regular Obi Wan. So uh, I think that is a good direction that they can head in um so anakin in is i6 still after you or a friendly obi-wan kenobi ship meaning any obi-wan kenobi ship at range zero to three executes a maneuver if there are more enemy ships than other friendly ships at range zero to one of that ship you may spend one force charge if you do that ship removes one red token can i wake up now that is a wall of text like seriously, both of these are, are ridiculously text heavy. Okay, and then hold up, uh, Obi Wan. I believe is the same thing, only it is it gains a focus token as opposed to a removing a red token. Correct. After correct. You, yeah. So I think the real winner here is the Obi Wan and the Ada to pair up with other Anakin's, right? Would you I, think I definitely that? think the Obi Wan ability is more useful right now for sure um i mean getting being able to get rid of a force token after you do any type of maneuver is uh is pretty nice you can actually get rid of two 
in one turn. So again, you know, it's it's a nice ability, but Obi-Wan seems like the kind of ability that can really save your butt when you are in either a bad situation or just really punish the enemy when you're going all out aggressive. Right, and, and the wording is real key on here. So it says, uh, after you or a friendly Anakin executes a maneuver. Uh, so that's, you know, it's not an action. You just gain a focus token, and you can also bump. So you're always going to be gaining a focus token as long as you're just not surrounded by friendlies, right? Like, okay. I, I think for the most part, you're probably going to be surrounded by uh, enemies, um, especially in these types of lists. You're, you know, you're only really bringing, like, one or like i'm sorry like two to three ships um other ships in jedi lists right yeah so there's a very good chance you're gonna you know if you're going up against any type of swarm you're gonna um almost certainly be surrounded more by enemy ships than your own um and the the bumping thing like it's it's great we see how strong it is to have an ability with the nantex where it's just execute and not fully execute so obi-wan i mean i will gladly bump take away a shot and still have a focus token just for spending one force every turn right and so i'm looking at look, just looking back at the dial the only k turn that they have is the 4k so that's i mean unless they're getting stressed some other way it's probably not getting stressed uh, unless you know right like so i mean the one nice or not one nice thing but one really nice thing is it's just a red token right so you can get okay. rid of Locks. a target lock um you can um, I mean, I guess an ion, you would have already done your maneuver. I mean, if you happen to get an ion token because someone dropped like a a bomb on you, like so, there's there's some ways I guess where you could get an ion token and get rid of that. Mm. Um, but yeah, the the stress. Realistically, there, there if you're getting like ion yeah ion tokens, you're probably just doing the ion maneuver the next turn. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. even still, it's like it's after you complete the maneuver, so it's like when are you getting an ion token in between? That yeah, the, time. the only time I can think so is if someone drops one of uh, the... A Connor uh, net? <laughs> yeah, thank you. I couldn't remember. A Connor net on you. That's the uh, the best example I've right. come up with, and it's not a great one. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Anakin's is not really great. Um, it, it would be kind of kind of cool, right? You do a K-turn, you get a stress token. The next turn, you do a purple two-talon roll, get rid of your stress. Um, like, there's, there's some ways where you can see it kind of be... Uh-huh. Jonathan, were you going to say something? Oh, uh, just mentioning strain and deplete being also red. And what do you think of uh, Obi-Wan pairing with baby Anakin? You know, because people like to use baby Annie as a torp carrier. You know, you fling in baby Anakin in first, automatically get a focus token, and then... Passive sensors. Passive sensors, target lock, you know. Yeah. Fully modified. I like that a lot. Proton torpedo or proton torpedo. I mean that I think advanced proton torpedoes are super underestimated on baby Anakin. Um and that way, you know, especially he can um, you know, save his force for defense when needed. So yeah, I like that combination probably the most. That one is nice, yeah. And then he can feel free to spend his force for the uh the pre movement barrel roll yep. to make sure he gets in that position where he's gonna be at range one potentially um if he's moving last so yeah that that seems like a good one um because generally i mean anakin baby annie is is mostly double modded because he can get the lock and still keep that force but um a focus Mm -hmm. and a lock is obviously 
significantly better than just one force. Right, right. I, I think the big thing is getting that that uh, I mean, either focus or force on defense mm-hmm. with a baby Anakin. I mean, and, and then he's probably even getting a evade action. Yeah, because when he can do that barrel roll, the three hard just sort of fits everywhere, and um, he's getting that evade too. Yeah. So like, I, I think uh, pretty combo. Okay, so let's talk about Anakin for a second. So he's I six. I mean, is it like super selfish of him that he's? It, I think that it's probably more useful on himself than Obi Wan. <laughs> like, uh, when is Obi Wan ever like even in the other ship? I you think... do. You do. Um... A decent amount of K turning, not not necessarily K turning, but the floops. Yeah, right. right. Um, I do a, a lot of those with probably more than I should with the the Jedi. Um, now the problem is here again, right? Because it's after you execute the maneuver that would be before the you would get the stress, so you can't do it and immediately get rid of your um, stress token to then be able to take a an action like you can do currently with Anakin and the Y-Wing and the Aether Sprite. But that's probably getting too far in the weeds right mm. now. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I would ever... Like, I don't know. Is it just maybe... He, I would assume that he's going to be cheaper than the CLT Anakin. So, yeah, right. That's, that's why I was right. thinking maybe you take him, right? Because CLT Anakin is still pretty expensive. Yep. He is 67 points. So if this comes down to like you know sixty two points, uh, I I think I would probably take this one and the ability is is fine. I'm really paying for the i six and the three force. Yeah, definitely. Um. Okay. So anything else you want to touch base on with the pilots? Cool. All right. So let's get into the upgrade cards. So, Republic is finally getting R2-D2 Astromech. After you activate, you may spend... We already talked about this, didn't we? No. After you activate, you may spend (laughs) one charge and gain one deplete token to repair one damage card, recover one shield, or remove one device at range 0 to 1. We're obviously thinking of Resistance R2-D2. Yeah, that's what I was just like. They're all over now. R2-D2 for everyone! You get an R2. Um... So, we should put out a fancy card about him. Uh, you know, we have like a nice card. It's only Rebel R two D two. That's fine. We can fix that, right? We can, but I'm I'm making it exclusively Rebel at the moment. Um, all right. So let's talk about R two D two. Uh, Jonathan, I feel like you have a lot to say about this. Do I? Uh, I feel like a deplete, <laughs> like taking a deplete token is so much better than taking a uh, weapons disabled token. Yes. And especially, I mean, yeah, two dice is better than no dice. Yeah, and then with um, Republic has various means to suck to take away that uh, disarm token, like that lat pilot. What was it Hound? The deplete token. Yes. Yeah, the deplete token. Sorry. Yeah, to take the deplete token, um, and so I think that this it feels a lot better than the. I mean, it only has two charges, but I feel like. Um, it's much more versatile, and the deplete token is so much better than the weapons disabled. So I feel like it's definitely better than the rebel version. Right. I'm just thinking like the value that comes with this. Like if you get a damage engine on this, if you, you know, they drop a bomb, Structural damage. Mm-hmm. Like I think the value on that is like that you can spend it on any of these. Like I'll sure I'll take the deplete token to get my uh, 
you know, not red turns back. Um, or like, you know, like I said, if you're going up against a bombing list, like that's great to be able to remove a device at uh, range zero to one. Like, let's say you can activate first and it's a mine. You can get close enough to the mine where you, and then it might clear a flight path for someone else. Um, I definitely think uh, this might be a lot of points, though. Yeah, buzz droids too. That was, I think, my mm. favorite one. I've yeah, that's heard. a good one. If someone's got a buzz droid now on your lat, who won't be able to get rid of it, you just boom, gone. Um, and the, the, the timing Thematic. is actually pretty nice too, in that it's after you activate. I don't know if anyone else ever had this, but I have had a couple of times with R2 Astromech where I'm like, "All right, I'm gonna bump, so I'll regen a shield, and then the maneuver fits, and it's like, oh, good. Now instead, of, I'm getting a range one shot into me." And I don't get any shot back all in exchange yeah. for one field. Here, I get to see exactly where I am. Um, I have a lot of board state knowledge. I don't have to try and guess where my arc's going to be. I can just stare at it and decide, do I actually want to to get this deplete token or not? Yeah, you know, it's funny. You mentioned Ooh. that. Ooh. Didn't, I, didn't I exactly say that when Anakin was like, get these buzz droids off of me in the movie? And R2 was like, zap, zap, zap. I agree with that point. I don't agree with Brett's point. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, like I said, I, I, I definitely agree with you there, like, Zach. I, I, I like making gamers make impactful decisions, and seeing the board say after I maneuver is no longer an impactful decision. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you, you disagree with my point because you don't like the mechanic, not because of the value I'm saying that I think it has. Oh, yeah, like I think it's... Okay, just making sure. I was value. like, I'm really surprised that you disagree with that. But I, now I got you. I think that, you know, for me, playing a high level of any semi-competitive game is making the right call in the right instance. And it's not a difficult call when you can see the board state. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a more tactical, more thought-provoking call when it's before I move. I have to make this decision. Am I going to make that bump? Mm-hmm. Which, if I, mean, I misjudge it, 99% of the time, you should be right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, And that's it. Like, If you're a high-level competitive player, you should be right in those calls. You shouldn't need to see the board state after. So that that that's my one disagreement with you there. I agree it's very useful. Mm-hmm. I personally prefer there to be meaningful decisions. And I don't think this is a meaningful decision at all. Um, I mean, so this is this is basically a better R two astromech, a better R five astromech, um, and a way to get rid of bombs all rolled rolled into one. Right? I just want to point out that has to be really expensive. Though this is the guy that ran R two A six before it was popular. (laughs) I pointed out (laughs) to everyone. Sure, sure. Who was sleeping on this card about how good it was. This is the guy who's like, you know how I can make sure I bump? I'll make my maneuver go faster. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring Slave 1 Boba Fett and drop some bombs on this bitch. All I'm going to say, <laughs> two big tournaments in a row, I just pointed out to the community that y'all are sleeping on some shit. It's true. Wake up. Wake up. Strong words from Zach Katie. Okay, um, all right. I'm super on board. I think this thing's going to be priced crazy high, though. Um, Ten points, or do you think more uh, than that? What's the what's the not what's the R two astromech on 
Yeah, and I guess that's the thing. Is it going to be... I guess it's probably going to be uh, green dice scaled, right? And yeah. R2 Aftermath is nine points on... Yeah, so maybe on a... 11? Maybe this is like five points per agility die. Get off to 15 points. Boy, that's getting really high. I don't know. I don't I think it goes higher than 12. Points. I don't think it goes higher than 12. 12, I would... I would most likely spend like honestly r2 is just so expensive that i'm really not even so maybe four, right now. four points per mm-hmm. die. Maybe. maybe maybe okay so r2 i think we're all on board with extreme maneuvers it is a force charge daredevil i am on board with this is everyone else on board with this? Because I super saw the little graph that they posted in the article about how you can do a uh, a two talent roll and then do a uh, extreme maneuvers like uh, hard one boost. Like I think that's kind of cool. And it's true though. You could have also, I think, just barrel rolled to the left and back, <laughs> and um, you're, you would have had basically the same shot and still had. That extra force die, if I remember, or that extra force charge, if I remember correctly, but it did look really cool, the way he essentially just did like a two hundred and seventy degree turn. Sure, right, right, right. But... About looking cool, Brett. God damn it. <laughs> right, but okay. So what? I still think getting that uh, ninety degree boost is going to be super useful in a lot of uh, instances. Um, as opposed to doing all that crazy shenanigans. Because, like, my first thought after looking at how cool it was, was, okay, now I have no force left. Um, but I, I think if I'm doing, like, a 90-degree boost and still having, like, two force left, I, I, I'm super on board with that. Oh, I mean, yeah, sorry. Worked. I was literally just talking about their example. Like, right. I didn't love their example in there. But Daredevil itself, really nice. And here, instead of getting the stress and locking down your dial... It's just one extra force that you could decide to spend after you move. Right. And sorry, Jonathan, I did not mean to cut you off. No, it's, I mean, it works with intuitive controls, right? What is intuitive controls? Do? I mean, <laughs> the, the system phase pre-position. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I thought it was yeah. an upgrade for some reason. Yeah. All these crazy so, upgrades on the... Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you'll never be able to catch them if they can one hard, either left or right, then five straight. Or just five straight, straight. You know, you can't cat. You will, or yeah. Bank. I mean, they, they have to spend two force to, to pull it off. But yeah, you're they're probably able to get out of uh, out of arc that turn, and that's not going to be the end of the world. And they'll just take a focus token or evade or something. So I agree, it could be very useful there, particularly if these end up being points fortressing type ships, like I kind of expect them to be. All right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think. I I definitely want to mess around with this first, um, just to see. I mean, look, can we can we try and just look at points for a second, right? So I mean, it's it's like you said, essentially Daredevil, uh-huh. and how much it Daredevil is, is two, points. two points? Yeah, Daredevil is two points. So here we're spending a force instead of getting a stress token. I would say this is not going to be more than three points. What do you think? I'd probably say on average, probably like three to four. I think I'd be pretty in on three points. I, I would super be in. Useful, um, you know, force uh, upgrades. Right. Yeah, because I mean, like, I'm thinking about it, and like, 
in a lot of Jedi lists, like you just don't see them with force upgrades, right? Like at all. I will. I will sometimes, if I have the points, take um, heightened re- or heightened perception, just because you know potentially initiative killing someone is nice. But yeah, I mean, besides that one, there, there's not many that I want to spend the points on. Like I'd gladly take supernatural for twelve if they'll let me have it again. But you know, now it's like forty six. Oh. I know. Wah wah. Wah wah wah. Okay, so uh, is this our first light side upgrade? I believe you mean the next so. card. The next card, yes, yes. Yes. Uh, so patience is our first light side upgrade. At the start of the engagement phase, if there is an enemy ship in your front arc, you may gain one deplete token to recover one force token. Uh, so I like this a lot too. Um, just like it, it gives you a lot of options that you can be like, okay, uh, I might have a shot in my front arc, but I might need some force for you know a shot coming in. So I know the odds of me hitting that ship in front of me might not be that great. So you take that deplete token, take the shot, um, and still have that force. Yeah, I'm I'm personally stapling this on Yoda. I think sure, right? Yeah. Like I I am really expecting to be utilizing Yoda like crazy. And the the way this works out timing wise is, uh, you know, he can help people doing their purple actions, get his force back, and then do it again. Um, so he could he could really give out four force in one turn if necessary. Um, I don't think he's going to be a super heavy hitter. He's only an I three. I think you throw this on him, and he's just like it just makes him even better at what he does. Yeah, I'm on board for that. And uh, Jonathan had a really good point with was it was it Hound that lets you strip off the deplete tokens? Like I'll gladly take a deplete token on my lat to to give my jedi uh you know a stronger shot so this seems really good when you're going with the support ship archetype of any hound hound only costs one more than the generic lat so i feel like if he's supporting if you're supporting jedi you're gonna take him every time yeah right and i mean they're they're taking gas clouds almost certainly so there's already a a decent chance that they might get one deplete token at some point so that point is is well worth the the potential flexibility mm-hmm. you're giving him there. If only you could strip that red token when you moved, but you'll probably be either shooting or stripping it. Yeah, right. Because you you definitely have a shot, <laughs> right? In order yeah. to, to make this work, so exactly. The token should be gone unless you're just choosing not to shoot for something. Right, right, right. Like I, I think this is the card that's like you know you, you take it knowing that you're probably not doing any damage. Um, and then moving right. on. Yeah, you spend too many for. Or, I mean, it, it's great just for those turns when you need to get force back. Being right. force strapped is one of the the worst feelings as a Republic player. Um, so this really will help with that. And it's like, oh, range three obstructed. Okay, cool. Okay. That wasn't doing anything. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I think that is going to wrap up the Ada Actus. Jedi Starfighter, we got more Jedi coming. Woohoo. Well, you're excited about it. I am it, excited. Right? No, this is the one ship that I'm really actually kind of like. This might get me into Jedi. Um, Whoa. I know. I know. Whoa. Uh, I'm so. There's the two ships. I'm actually really excited about this wave because I'm super excited for Jango Fett and I can't wait for that article to drop. 
Um, and this actually looks like a lot of fun. Like, I think this finally kind of, like, gives them a little bit more options than just spamming Jedi and Aether sprites, and that's it. Um, so I, I'm totally excited about this. Thanks, Brett, for calling me out on that. Calling um, you out, it's just, I'm, I'm glad you're joining, <laughs> the, you know, the Force bandwagon. I know. You know what's even better than Force? Concordia Nothing. Face-Off. Because <laughs> you get unlimited Concordia Face-Offs. You do. Yeah. If you make all the other criteria work. Which Did, is not much. <laughs> Stop cutting Jonathan off! Yeah, <laughs> Sorry! Um, right. So for... Did, did they ever say... On the model, do you know if those little wing things move? I was just wondering. Because in half the pictures, like in half the art, they're folded in, and then in the model, they show them folded up. Oh, yeah. So like in the model, it is. That'd be... Because like in half the pic, in in about half the pictures they're folded down, and the other half of the pictures are enhance in, in the art. In it the almost art. looks but like it, it does, because like there's like a little the, like. But on the model, I mean, if it's like the tie V one, then they're not going to move. Hmm. But I was just wondering if they flap up and down. It would be pretty cool if they do. Because why not? Okay, so moving on. Uh, so we don't have to spend too much time on this topic. but um, So we haven't really gotten any kind of organized play from FFG because of the entire coronavirus pandemic. Uh, so it, the game's in a really, really weird state. We've been getting organized play through different uh, online communities, and I think they're all doing a terrific job. I know we've been doing uh, tournaments. We've been doing leagues. Gold Squadron has been doing their Galaxies. Um, and, and just, I know there's been a ton of different community-run events really keeping this game going. And uh, like I, I want to take the opportunity to thank everyone for doing that. They're really kind of stepping up the game to keep the game alive. And my next, what I want to talk about is organized play from ffg like do we think they made the right decision with like i also feel like the community is divided between hyperspace and not an extended and i don't know if i enjoy that there's two different formats but i think do you think there should be a middle ground um the reason i bring this up is marvel crisis protocol is in its first year of release and just the other day, they announced a banned and restricted list, which I know FFG said that they don't like doing and they don't really ever consider doing. But I think at the same time, um, it might almost be necessary in like the art form of competitive gaming. Uh, so like they and when I say restricted list, they so they added a card to the ban list that they were just like, this card is broken, you know, you can't use it and. You know, the restricted list also basically said any list that is or any card that is on this list, you can only bring two of. So now, granted, there aren't points like there are in X-Wing that they can't really fluctuate um, as this. But I think at the same time, uh, I don't know if we're in a state that like there needs to be some kind of middle ground of between hyperspace and extended or otherwise like what do you guys think like do you think ffg's organized play is in the right direction with x-wing or do you think that it does need some kind of tweak that's a loaded question it is a loaded question (laughs) brett i know you've had some time to think about this so i I will let you go first 
think it needs some tweaking because I don't think they know what they want to do yet. Um, and I think that, you know, the community is able to, to sense that there is just not a strong commitment yet that, hey, Extended is our primary format. Uh, hyperspace is our primary format. They've already switched them up as to which is the, the main event in system opens um, and regionals. So it's, it's tough to really get a feel for what is supposed to be the, the primary um, type of structure. So it's, it's hard to say, yeah, this is the really hardcore competitive format. This is just for, for having fun with your friends, you know, on the kitchen table. So I don't think they really know where they want to go yet, which I think is a, a pretty big problem. Um, and yeah, I think that we can most, I mean, we've mentioned pips on, um, you know, ships numerous times, right? And how we think that would solve many of the problems in X-Wing because you can get more aggressive with your, your point costing if you just make it so you can only ever have two, uh, two of a defender in your list. So now we don't have to be tied to a threshold that has to be more than 66 points, um, for instance. So, yeah, I think if they, and I don't know anything about Marvel Crisis Protocol, so maybe what I'm saying is not at all what you're talking about, but I think that they could make the format better by being uh, more willing to think outside the box and not worry about whether or not the PDF looks pretty or has too many cells on it, because at the end of the day, they have a, they have a builder app. Everyone uses a builder app that's probably not the FFG one. We don't need to worry about keeping the PDF simple for competitive X-Wing. We need to worry about balance. That's a good point. And didn't they say they were going to be giving us a new app or like a revamp and they just updated the app? So uh, it's like a year ago they said that. And I mean, obviously, right, you know, they, <laughs> right. they could not have predicted what was going to happen. But sure. yes, there, there was supposed to be a new app and I don't think we've heard anything about it besides that. No, you, you make up good points. Um I like I said, I, I enjoy hyperspace as a format, but I feel like uh, I, I definitely gravitate towards extended when it comes to like the real competition of the game. Like uh, I get why hyperspace is there, but I also like every time that extended either gets a huge revamp or anything like that, it just boils down to who finds the most oppressive list first and. Can we, you know, exploit it as much as possible? And then the entire community, and th I'm shaming the community for this because they just copy and paste, even though there's probably so many better lists out there. And I think that's why the European meta is way better than the United States meta because, you know, they might still do it, but not to an extent. Um, uh, I, I think maybe ffg needs to take more of a proactive approach to these like i mean like people have been calling for a change to the nantexes and they have it um granted we just got a new wave of ships and maybe that's their way of answering it but i also think at the same time like uh i don't know if we're like with crisis protocol you can just be like okay kitchen table or in-store rules we're just not going to play with these rules whereas where ffg is being like Okay, we're just going to points these, and then it kind of might also demolish your kitchen table experience and your tournament play experience. One thing I would point out, not to shit on the European meta at all. <laughs> um, the European meta is a very unique case 
coming from an American perspective, largely from the standpoint of Googling shit. Like, the European meta in a lot of games, not just X-Wing, in a lot of competitive tabletop games and a lot of competitive video games, um, the meta in Europe is weird because you can't find search results in your native language. It's like, if I'm a German X-Wing player and trying to figure out, like, what is the competitive meta right now, they don't have the same level in German of forums, of tournament results, of that sort of thing, that we have. Wait, you mean everybody just doesn't speak English? Basically. Like <laughs> they, can find, they can find... They can find... They, they can find the English results, but if you're somebody who doesn't speak English as, you know, super fluently, like, looking at, like, try and, like, think of it from our perspective. Try and look at tournament results from a German or Scandinavian event written in that language. If it's a named pilot, you can get it. Otherwise, you look at it and you have, I don't know what the fuck that is. Um, so I, I don't know if I necessarily agree. Um, I think maybe in a more complex game, but I think for the most part, like, people can go into List Fortress and just Google Translate it or know what they are going to, you know, they should know what the cards are, I would think, if, at this point. If they yeah. care enough to do it, sure. sure. But you're, you're talking about, like, the people that are generally copying and pasting the meta are not the people that are going to care enough to sit down and Google Translate shit and work their way through it. Like, the people at American tournaments that are copying and pasting lists off of what won the last big tournament are not the level of people that give a crap about this game enough to translate stuff over. I mean, and then is there really a separate American and European meta right now where all this play is going on on sure, uh, these galaxies? I'm not, I'm not really necessarily saying like right at the moment, but I, I think trending i feel like you a lot of times you do see different metas pop up um for the most part like like i said i'm not necessarily saying right at this moment um but i feel like my experience i've noticed that it's a lot of the american meta ends up being like a, a copy and paste meta and every once in a while you see something really neat pop into there and then it automatically gets dismissed and everyone kind of gravitates towards the um you know the winning lists uh where like whereas i think a lot of the lists that might be like in bigger tournaments like top 16 top you know 32 even could be really good lists but they don't get the recognition that they believe um where i think now don't get me wrong like in the european meta i definitely see different um the same thing where like you will see some of the, like you know obviously when quad phantoms was a thing it was all over the place but I, I you see different things that aren't necessarily in the generic meta i would say yeah i mean i, I i've just always found the european meta to be quite unique and i feel like they're willing to be more creative right and, and... I mean, just getting back on back on topic, though, I, I'm curious if 
FFG kind of like I I don't know what their involvement is in organized play. Like I know people say that they don't follow the galaxy's trends or anything because they're not legal tournaments and they're not you know tournaments that are even supposed to be being played or anything like that. But I'm curious like what FFG's stance is on all of this and like if they really like need to fix the game in a certain way or if like everything's just going to be okay in the end and uh, i'm over exaggerating things or i mean i know we're not we weren't planning on talking about the results from crate uh but i know the there's a lot of varied lists in the top 16 top 32 there not just the nantex right even though nantexes did win and, and a part of that is um do you think that's because of a new you know, ship releases, like, that was kind of part of their plan, where... Well, like, the... I don't think the the HMP, the LAT, and the She's Shuttle did not show up in... I mean, there were some Warthog lists. There were more She lists that were... Or um, Tsai lists that were successful. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I think the final was... Was Fan Langalan and... Oh, I forget who he played. He played against. Was he played against first order aces? Was that it? Probably. I, I didn't follow it too yeah, deeply. Yeah, first order aces. Uh, Kenneth Lyon. Yeah. Right, and like I said, I mean, I, I'm not really saying. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm curious if, like, if the game would be better if FFG just came out and said, "Listen." Um, you know, we are going to put pips. I know I, in previous episodes, I've kind of been against, you know, putting pips on things. But I'm curious if, like, you know, they, they basically were just like, okay, you can only bring one proton torpedo in a list, or you can only bring X amount of this upgrade and see if it really does change the game at all, or if uh, they're just going to use points as their system. And I'm not sure if that necessarily works um, in the end. I don't think it works on a six-month cycle. <sighs> Yeah, I think if they if points are going to be their primary focus, and that's how it has been, there's only been a couple of you know like hot fixes. Then it should be a four month cycle. I think that would help significantly. I don't think points work at all. I don't think the cycle particularly matters. I mean, I think the cycle matters for keeping the the game fresh, but from a competitive standpoint, like. Points alone are never going to create a level playing field. No matter how quickly you react to poor points, until your game is perfectly balanced, which I think we can all agree is never going to happen. Until it's perfectly balanced, you're just going to have complaints from one competitive tournament to the next of, well, you know, I lost because you misbalanced shit the last tournament. You know, I, 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 I agree with you on this. <laughs> I, I think if they want X-Wing to be a competitive game, and this is a big if, maybe they, don't, maybe they don't want it to be a competitive game like Magic is on that scale. That's, you know, their decision, a business decision, whatever. But if you want x-wing to become a premier level competitive event something that's on twitch something that's big something that competitive is like one of the major keywords gamers think about when they choose to play x-wing 
I think they really need to figure out hyperspace and make hyperspace the competitive format. And to do that, it's not like I don't think it needs to be like here's the handful of things we need in there. I think it needs to be here's everything and then we pull out things that don't belong in competitive. Right. Uh, and that's what I think I'm on board with is I think that um, it's in the opposite direction where hyperspace is the uh, let's take everything out and add certain things in where I think it needs to be here's everything and we've pulled some things we've out. pulled out like you know proton torpedoes and you know certain ships or pilots that are I'm definitely on board with that and you know I don't think they'll ever do it but I think that would probably be like and like I think this is FFG's like um probably okay so I know Legion's very get big uh Keyforge is huge for them but I think as far as that miniatures game, this is the like tournament level miniatures game that they have. Like the yeah. the fact that they're drawing in the, the amount of people they do for X Wing events. Um, now, granted, like I said, I know some Legion kid is probably listening. Says, "Well, you know, at LVO they're doing so many things." I think they can pull in the amount of um, people that they had a couple of years ago if they're doing this right. And I don't know that they are. And uh, like I said, uh, this is clearly clearly opinionated. Um, but I, I think we're in a really weird state of the game that, um, people are starting to question certain things and, uh, you know, this could just be our way of fixing it and, you know, FFG thinks otherwise, but I mean, I, I think, I, well, look at the band league. I mean, we had positive results with that and like, yeah. imagine, I mean, granted, I don't, I would never expect FFG to do that aggressive of a rotation schedule, but I, you know, I really think we kind of proved something that it definitely worked. Yeah. Um, I think we proved that it works for a competitive setup. Like I agree, like that level of rotation is impractical, but it, it really, like I said, it comes down to how much FFG cares about making this a competitive level game or how much they care about selling every single box they put out. Right. And that's where they need to like look at what Magic has done historically and decide, like... And don't get me wrong, like there are definite distinctions between magic's business model and what ffg can do with x-wing right like magic can be very like we're gonna ban cards on the regular because cards are stupidly cheap to produce it's no skin off their nose if they say like we're gonna ban this card we just printed because we printed it and it only cost us 0.02 cents per card to print so whatever Right. We don't sell any more of those packs. And here's the other thing is that like we're not seeing any releases for like the early so like we finally got the tie heavy coming out for the Imperials. And we all know that there are players out there that are strictly one faction. So mm -hmm. I mean I, I think in, in order to really keep things viable, like I, I think for the X-Wing community, they need to really focus on the organized play of this um, game. And because, like I said, like, I mean, like, I, I, to be honest, I haven't bought a any of the new ships. Um, well, I think that's 
I think that is a very viable business model for them moving forward is to focus on competitive play and focus on card packs. We've talked about this before and kind of what I was just saying about magic holds true for X-Wing. It is very high profit mm, margins for sure. Yeah, much cheaper, much higher profit margins to produce a pack of cardboard bases Mm -hmm. and ship cards than it is to produce new ships. And you don't need to go get Disney's approval for new ships. Like, you need to, sure, probably get Disney's approval to, you know, include pilots from books or comic books or maybe get, like, a super quick rubber stamp on this is our fourth Obi-Wan we want to print. But you don't need to go through, like, well, this was in a Legends book that you guys haven't officially said is canon again, but we want to use it as an X-Wing ship. Is that okay? Right. Can, can I just say one other thing just about talking about printing ships? Uh, one of the problems with Extended is, I mean, we're now two-plus years into X-Wing. Um, you know, to the extent new people are coming into the game, they stopped reprinting ships a long time ago. And it's tough to find some of these things, right? Like some people have never been able to get a, you know, an alpha, alpha class star wing or even find phantoms, like things that we all take for granted because we've been playing for a while and have everything as a new player who's trying to get in. If extended is your primary format, um, you're potentially going to have a tough time finding the, just the, the models you would need to keep up. And you don't want to make it a pay-to-win type system. Yeah, exactly. And if you switch over to a card pack style system, then like I can tell you for certain that producing new ships is so exorbitantly expensive compared to printing stuff you've already set to the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. You don't need to design new 3D models. You don't need to like run test prints. You don't need to do factory inspections. All these things that generally have to happen when you're producing a new product. None of that has to happen anymore. If you switch over to just producing new card packs on a regular cycle and printing, you know, probably not high volume, but, you know, enough volume of existing ships. To be entirely honest, look at it like any of their other board game products at FFG. Print them at the same schedule that you print Mansions of Madness expansions. Right? Those are a thing that people are only buying one of, but you keep producing them at some schedule. Like, I never think my local game store is sold out of, you know, Mansions of Madness, or if it is, I can, like, tell them to order me a copy and they'll have it by the next week. You say it with such disdain. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I love that game, actually. I play it on a weekly basis. But, like, but that, like, they already have the system down with other games. They can't even say that it's not, like, something they can do. Like, it is obviously something they are equipped and well-versed in. So don't, like, give us this bullshit of, you know, well, we have to keep producing new ships. No, you don't. Like, you make other games with the same model. Right, I mean, I think there always needs to be a influx of incoming ships but like I, I like that the schedule that they're on now but i think at the same time that they aren't supporting other the, like the older factions or anything like that like i i think there needs to be some kind of compromise in between and that 
Could be the card packs. I know we have the Phoenix Cell spoiled on one of the websites, so maybe we're getting some stuff there. Um, but like I said, at the same time, like I think this, and maybe this is the reason we didn't get any support for a very long time was because of the pandemic. And they do recognize that this is more of a competitive tournament level game as opposed to um, maybe like a kitchen table game, you know, like, which I uh, don't get me wrong. I, I'm, I know there's still a ton of people. You see them all over Reddit that are still playing 1.0 in, on their kitchen table. So uh, I'm sure there is still a huge market for that. But like I said, I, I think at the same time, um, they could really boom if, when the tournament scenes do come back and, and you know, well, not this so message that. could like never even get to them, but. And that's the thing too, right? Like I'm, I'm with you. Like, I'm sure there is a kitchen table gaming scene out there for X-Wing. But those players are probably not out, like, are not looking to spend dollars every single month buying a new thing. Right. Yeah, they're not buying six Nantex, right? Competitive players, if you put out card packs every two, three months... Which are pretty, like, I mean, that's about the release schedule for Magic. And, like, you can't tell me that we don't have the resources to do it or it's not possible. Like, Magic puts out entirely new card systems on, like, a super, like, consistent basis. Several times a year, like, four or five times a year. Like, put out card packs every three months and you will sell card packs out the ass to competitive players. Yeah, I, and I mean, it'll keep the meta fresh and everything. And then release maybe ships twice a year. Yeah, and then release ships, like, release a wave of two to six ships twice a year to keep that fresh. Keep, you know, like I said, on the board game production schedule of old ships just to keep them kind of out there. Yeah, and they they showed that they do know how to really capitalize on those card packs, right? I mean, yeah. they they released three of them. They were very careful about what was included in each one to make sure that uh, you kind of really needed to buy all of them if you were a competitive player. Uh, I mean, talk about an easy sixty bucks for them, or fifty bucks. I don't remember exactly how much it was, but I mean, yeah, like the one just had obstacles in it as far as competitive players are concerned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, they like, had three new gas clouds, so I had to buy it. Yeah, they sold us a thing that had three new gas clouds, and every competitive player bought one. That is all they had to print in there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I, I I think if I am a FFG exec looking at the Excel spreadsheets of how are we going to make this game, you know profitable again this is by far the easiest route i see in front of us rather than having to try and keep coming up with new impressive you know selling ships that we can also get passed by disney and and just i mean this is not super on topic i guess but those new ships they're having to you know scrape from the bottom of the barrel are the ships that no one has any idea have anything to do with star wars mm-hmm. right like if you see exactly. a bunch of X-Wings and TIE Fighters on the table, you're like, oh, that's Star Wars. If you see a bunch of, I don't, I don't know, like, Forlom ship, you're not like, Star Wars, cool. Right. Like, oh. 
that was that? that was one of the big problems in first edition too. Like, I mean, everyone was saying, "Oh, no, you know, it's Jumpmaster Wing or something like that." Or like, if you know, new players come into a store, they're going to see a bunch of Jumpmasters or uh, you know other things. They people want to see ties and X Wings on the table or the Falcon or something like that. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think we all have our own reserves on. What it sounds FFG. like none of us are super happy though with what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I, I think to an extent, I would just like to see them pick a damn direction and go with it. Yes, the 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 concept flip flopping is extremely annoying and makes it seem like uh, either they're just different people in charge of everything, or no one is really willing to step up and make that type of decision. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we know the state that FFG is in, so it could be that ladder that it's just so many hands, or there's just not enough hands, uh, rather, with mm-hmm. FFG to uh, really kind of be there to be like, okay, you know, this is what we need to do. So, or it's just, you know, okay, this is the system that we have in place, spew it out and go with it. Right. And yeah, I mean, it could honestly be something as significant as they need to to figure out a way to rehaul their OP system to make mm-hmm. it more profitable, right? Like those like store kits and whatever they sell, they're probably not turning too much of a profit margin on them because they're dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe they need to, to find a way to make the competitive scene more. So of a, yeah, it's funny that you kind of like bring that up because like, so last year we ran the uh, tournament at red caps, the regional tournament, whatever the heck they're called now, hyperspace they were trial. Hyperspace Right. So when, yeah, I think they're primes. Um, so when they first released the information on that, a tournament kit cost four hundred bucks, which a store could easily, uh, you know, as long as they had a decent, you know, organized team there, they could easily make that money back and some for this. And then, I mean, with that being said, FFG is probably turning a profit with them and getting it. But I want to say that like almost like a week or two before the tournament kit came um ben the owner of red caps was saying that it only cost them like 125 dollars which why they would reduce the price that much is kind of crazy so but i think like you look at like you look at the music industry right now and it's kind of like they make they make money off of concerts not by selling you know cds uh and i think ffg could be in the same boat with this game that they could make all the money through tournaments as opposed to selling selling the ships like i mean obviously they're still going to make money on selling the ships but I, I think they have a ton of opportunities to make uh the cash flow by you know running big tournaments or even like these local generalized prime tournaments um as long as they you know keep the game in a certain state so I always thought that it still cost four hundred dollars for one of those those uh, kits. So I mean, and, and I still thought no, I'm not disagree. I'm just saying I thought at four hundred dollars it was a no brainer investment for the stores, right? I mean, there were seventy something people at Red Caps. I think it was twenty five bucks. I mean, right there, you're you're talking about seventeen hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for a, a group of people that are are pretty it's pretty consistent to get that type of turnout in, you know, like the Philly area. So, I mean, the store is basically guaranteed a, a good profit for essentially running out their store for the day. 
right? Um, I would assume more than they would, or around what they would normally get just for a full business day, except you guys were volunteering and doing all the work for them. So, yeah, I mean, if the... I can't believe that they would cut it down to 125 bucks. Right, I don't, so I don't know. I mean, like I said, this is just what I was told. I don't know if it was across the board or something happened or what. But, I mean, like I said, I mean, so that's just the, like, prime tournaments. Which, you know, granted, they are the big ones. Um, and that entire thing got placed on hold at the start of the pandemic. But, like, I mean, like, you think about, like, how many people were at the system open, um at PAX. There was like about like, like 150%, right? Right. So and that was what, twenty five or thirty five a person? I don't recall. Regardless. I mean Yeah, again. No, I was uh I was gonna say, I mean, when it comes to organized play and like the big events, like they have what uh, what's the company I was Yeti and then before yep. it's Cascade Gaming. There must be a reason why they signed it out to like a third party to manage Right, yeah, I mean, that, that is another thing. Yeah. I mean, like, they have to hire all the manpower to do it, and, like, obviously there's, like, a good amount of tournament uh, organizers and, you know, judges that they have to... But, yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine even still that they have to... Yeti has to probably turn a profit to it, and... Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like, FFG, they make things, they don't give you... They don't hold events, you know? It's not, right. a, it's not like Cascade or Yeti. Their business is designing and selling stuff. Sure. And, Remember when, maybe not so anymore, but like their history is as a, like a board game company of making things and selling them. And I don't know. I mean, I have no idea the economics of like holding a store championship or a, um, I mean, $400. If you think of like the value to X-Wing players of all that stuff, you can say, oh, you know, there's X number of cards of this and X number of cards of that. But for a store owner, I can see how if you look at a box of like cards uh-huh. and acrylic, and someone says this is four hundred dollars and it all fits in a shoebox, you know, or two shoeboxes, it may be a hard sell there. I right. Those just my thoughts there. I, I mean, like, and like that, you make a good point. Like, you know, they do sell stuff, but like, I I think that's like the problem is that like they design and sell stuff, but I, I think what they have on their hands, and I know this was brought up towards the end of. Um, First edition, I know Travis Johnson spoke to it at length on, on the Crate Podcast, and uh, I, you know, FFG just doesn't have like a good grasp of what they, you know, do have in front of them, and you know, maybe if the game got that kind of support, um, we would see those kinds of levels. Like, I, mean, I think it's hard to judge anything in the last year. I mean, this in twenty twenty. Yeah. And if you think about their plans for worlds, like, and then last year, right at the um, where they rented at the place, right. You um, know, well, yeah, I, I think that was a great, like, you know, that was a great event. They ran it and everything like that. Um, and, and I feel like it it had a huge response for the community. Right. There was like, keep doing that, and you're gonna have people fly from all over the place to come to your events. Yeah, and you make a good point because, like, I mean, they told us like almost like what nine months in advance like i had a flight to go already booked it from like february that i had to cancel because of all this but uh so but yeah like people like probably you know that they maybe had those opportunities out there and um we're going to expand on it but you know covid sucks so yeah i mean i think i think if anyone from ffg 
is listening to this podcast, which I highly doubt, but you know. Hello. Hello. Like Hi Matt Holland. I I seriously, if I was in their shoes, I would be looking very closely at how over the course of its lifespan did Magic the Gathering get from where it started to where it is now as a competitive game. Because Magic the Gathering is a legitimate competitive level high grossing game at this point. Including its like moving into like the video game space with Magic the Gathering Arena and all that. But like how did they get from where they started to where they are now? And what lessons can FFG take from that? And apply to their own business. Model. Okay, so I got two things uh, about that. So we, we have Keyforge now, and Keyforge is a... a I, I think they are getting a very good grasp on Keyforge. Um, they, you know, have a very aggressive rotation schedule with that. Not a rotation, but, like, they are constantly coming out with new sets. I think they've come out with, like, two sets in the pandemic uh, with Keyforge. So maybe they are learning, but it's not being applied to... Uh, their miniature games at the moment the second thing is is the star wars you know intellectual property is probably almost like a damper on that where like keyforge is their own ip they you know own that they can do as much as they want with that and run with it um where i think that with uh star wars it, it might just be a matter of time before you know, Disney says, okay, we're going to move in another direction or something like that. Um, so, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know. I get that. I, I get that. But I think that would almost be for me if I was in their shoes. Like, that would be my pitch to Disney. Like, I would right. do this research ahead of time. Be like, look, like, we have a chance here to turn this into, you know, X and X millions of dollars a year, billions of dollars. Like, I think, like, magic is in the billions now. Absolutely. A year. Uh, yeah. So Hasbro's market cap right now is $12 billion a year. Magic is 7% of that. Like, so do the math yourself. Not quite a billion, but pretty damn close. Like, and to me, proposal together and go to Disney and say, like, this, like if you want to hold on to this IP, especially, like, get your proposal together and go to them and like make a real case for right and and to be fair like we know ffg is aware of like the community behind it they know like the streamers and the like businesses that are behind their products so I, i mean like i said maybe this is all doom and gloom because we've been cooped up in our houses for the past nine months and uh has it been nine months yet um it's been about seven months probably so maybe it is all doom and gloom from that that like we are not you know where we want to be and everything like that and maybe ffg does have a plan but um it's hard to see with you know what the future looks like um i I think we, we we've talked about this good and plenty though um any final comments on this before we close out Get your shit together. <laughs> Release more convention ships. <sighs> That'd be really cool. Sorry. I think uh, just think that would be a good way to make a lot of money. Special uh, edition Yoda. Special edition in the, Yoda. E-T- cool. in the ETA. He's going to be the worlds of 20 Yeah, entirely different. Like alt stuff. 
That'd be an entirely different mold. That's not an old paint job. <coughs> chip. Corona. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I want to thank everyone for listening. If you're still waiting, I'm you know still sending oh. out the uh, prize supports. You got something, Jonathan? Oh, oh I, I had a shout out when you're good. It's time. Okay. So, so for, for, for I don't want to set off an unending uh, podcast feedback shout out loop but i just want to shout out uh midwest scrubcast who shouted us out on their last episode oh, thank you Emily. did they all right midwest scrubcast did you send those dengar templates to the guy that won the um space jam that's all i have to ask and i hope they did because i'm pretty sure that counts anyway definitely uh what's up guys uh anything else John? I- Hi. No, that's it. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you're still waiting on swag from the uh, Band League, it is coming out. Don't worry. Uh, shipping is a pain in the butt. and But I know some people have started to receive theirs, so yours should be on the way, and you'll be getting it soon. Local guys, don't worry. I'm going to be organizing something with you guys to try to minimize shipping costs with us. I might just make like a day trip around and drop everything off from you guys. Um but other than passing over to podcasting (laughs) so um but yeah if if you're still waiting on them patreon members they i have a lot of swag coming your way for everyone that's been sticking with us for so long uh thank you so much so like i said if you are a fan of the show check us out on facebook check us out on patreon and if you are in our facebook group you can join our discord and go from there uh we have no news on the uh group championship uh i know we were supposed to do a november 7th that might still be the date we just have to really finalize everything and get it in a thing like i said it's going to be more of a local tournament um so if you're a long distance listener you're more than welcome to join but like i said there's probably going to be store credit for a lot of our local stores that don't have online stores so that might deter you um with some of the price um but 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 any final comments anything else no Okay, guys, thanks again for listening, and have a great night.